Massively. Um, even just in, in speaking with you now, I can think of so many things that you could be teaching people based on the fact that you know how to do podcasts and you know the right questions to be asking, you know how to interview people. There's, there's... I've spent the last two years learning from the best social media entrepreneurs out there and implementing the skills and ideas they have taught me in order to grow two successful social media businesses. After some time, though, I realized that social media was only part of the story. As I expanded my network, I kept finding young entrepreneurs with multi-million or even billion-dollar businesses that weren't doing anything on social media. Instead of building their personal brand and selling courses, these entrepreneurs were solving massive market needs by creating the next Airbnb or Uber. But the real question is, as a young entrepreneur, which of these options is best for us? Social media influencer or startup founder? That's where this podcast comes in. With a mix of interviews with people from both sides of the aisle, you can see what appeals to you and how you can take the steps to start and grow your business immediately. Join me and follow along as I sit down with some of the top social media influencers and startup founders in the world to ask the most important questions and extract the information you need without the fluff you don't. My name is Apple Kreider and welcome to Young Smart Money. All right, who is ready to learn how to thrive outside of the nine to five? Today, we are sitting down with Aaron Aegis to talk about exactly that. So Aaron uh, has gone on to build a, a massively successful business in the SEO and content marketing space, uh, primarily for enterprise level clients called Louder Online. Uh, Louder Online has worked with companies like Salesforce, Ford, Coca-Cola, Target, LG, IBM, uh, and so many other large, large companies. Um, Aaron has gotten endorsements from some of the biggest people in the digital marketing space, names like Neil Patel and others. Uh, so this dude is somebody who I, I have seen from afar, and I, I had some questions for this guy, so I wanted to get him on the podcast because I saw that he uh, had a lot of value to provide in the content marketing space and really just the digital marketing space as a whole. And I know that is an area that a lot of you guys are interested in. Um, it's an area that I get a lot of questions on all the time, so I figured we needed to make this happen. So in this interview, uh, a couple of the main topics that we're going to be hitting on, just so you know, um, if this is the right use of your time, we are going to be talking about getting started. Because for Aaron, uh, getting started was quite the process. When he decided that he wanted to really go all in online, it took him about four months to make his first 40 cents. And uh, if that sounds like a long time, that's because uh, it is. So we're going to talk about how he was able to go through that entire process and then how the next day he actually made four hundred dollars so from 40 cents to making 400 the next day uh, was a pretty big jump but at that point he'd sort of figured out something pretty big so we're gonna talk about that we're gonna talk about how to start building your brand uh, and how to start getting your name out there as far as positioning yourself as an expert in your category even if you are somebody who, who doesn't feel like you, you've quite achieved that expert status yet Aaron's going to share with you some strategies for how you can begin to position yourself as an authority figure, get yourself featured in some of the bigger publications in your space, start speaking on stages, um, and really just spreading your name out there. So when people type your name into Google, when they type your name into wherever they're searching for you, uh, you can really uh, be the sort of maestro behind what is going to show up there. Uh, so we're just going to really cover a lot of digital marketing strategies, tips, and the things that, that Aaron has 
has learned uh, both building his own companies from the ground up and then working with large enterprise clients, some of the things that, that you actually have an advantage over them when it comes to. So as, as the little guy, there are some advantages that you have, even though it might not seem like it since you don't have those kind of budgets, you don't have those kind of, of, of manpower. Uh, there are some, some really powerful advantages that you can lean into as the little guy. So Aaron's going to really dive deep into those as well. But without further ado, I am super stoked for this interview. I'm, I'm very excited to um, allow Aaron to speak to y'all. He's somebody who I have a lot of admiration for. He's done a lot of really cool things. So without further ado, let's welcome Aaron Aegis to Young Smart Money. All right, Aaron, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing well. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Absolutely. I'm stoked to be speaking with you. So for our listeners uh, that aren't familiar with who you are and what you're doing over at Louder Online, give us the quick like elevator pitch or a uh, quick synopsis of what you guys are up to over there. I can do that. Uh, so Louder Online is a search and content marketing company that looks after um, funded startups through to sort of enterprise clients globally. Uh, our whole job is to drive um, traffic and conversions for businesses. Basically, we help businesses grow. Um, that's what we do. Sweet. Well, I'm stoked to dive into how all of that can help the the young listener who's just getting started. Because I know a lot of the listeners here um, are definitely not enterprise clients; are more on on the startup side. So I'm stoked to to dive into this. So the first thing that that I want to ask you about is is sort of where you got started. Because I know now you have <clears throat> built up this this whole sort of uh, really significant uh, presence with Louder Online, but it wasn't always that way. So so fill us in with when you uh, first got started in the world of, of entrepreneurship, like when you were just growing up, like, like high school years, middle school years, uh, were you doing anything entrepreneurially or did that sort of come later for you? Yeah, cool. Look, I, I like to answer that kind of question. So you, you're right. Um, you know, we've got a presence now, but 100%, we were not gifted anything. We started sticking it all together ourselves. And so, um, yeah, there should be some good info for you guys here. Um, yeah, in terms of um, being entrepreneurial, I've, I've always been that way personally um, and dabbled in different things from like doing a paper run when I was young to um, you know, working at the markets and trying to sell things and, and whatever else. Um, nothing was ever big and successful, but it was, you know, it was experience and, and going down the right path, I guess. Sure. Um, I guess the first, the first kind of entrepreneurial thing that I did that was um, of, of any sort of size was, so I, I finished school and ended up, um, you know, working in IT just because I knew how to do it and I was good at it. Sure. Um, I hated it, but I was good <laughs> at it. <laughs> so I ended up doing that. And um, after a while, you know, I was sitting there thinking, you know, I want to do something for myself. I have no business experience. So I looked into um, one of the biggest franchise groups in Australia was um, the thing called Jim's Mowing. Um, and then they branched out into like Jim's Fencing and Jim's this and that. And one of the things was Jim's Computer Services. And you know, myself and, and another friend, we thought, well, you know, that's, that's being able to dip our toe in the water in business is having a full business system that's set up because we don't know any of that stuff. And, um, you know, there's guarantees on income and we'll be able to leverage all the brand and everything. We have to do the marketing. We can just do the operations of the business. Um, and so we, we bought in and um, ended up running that franchise. And what was the learned, approximate cost of that? 
so you know, mind you, this was 20 years ago sure. or something like that. Um, I think it was about 30 to 40 grand. Okay. Um, and that was just from your job that you'd saved up? Yeah. I think I even borrowed money from my parents and paid that back. Um, wow. Uh, yeah. It, and uh, it was, I mean, you know, it wasn't, wasn't too hard to pay back, but it was, I learned a lot during that time because I, I'd assumed that knowing nothing about business, not having studied it or anything like that, that um, there was so much that I was just had no idea about. Mm-hmm. The reality was that a lot of it you could rely on sort of street smarts and sticking things together. And I, I picked it up really quick, which then made me really unhappy in that franchise. And the reason being is that I was then completely stuck in the ways that they operated. We, we had to get approvals for everything. We couldn't advertise in certain ways. Mm. Um, we couldn't, the, the structure was just locked down. Yeah. No flexibility. And yeah, exactly. And, and so all these creative ideas that we had and ways that we knew things would work for us, um, we, we couldn't do. And it was really frustrating. Um, and we just looked at it and just thought, no, it's, it's not going to work. But ha- having said that, you know, we, that was after a while, right? We, we actually grew the franchise. We did really well. We, I think we were the fastest growing in Australia. We actually then bought out the master franchise for the area that we were in. Wow. Um, and then um, thinking that that would give us more flexibility and, and ability to do the things we wanted. It didn't. There were still national franchisors and, and everything else. Um, eventually, we just uh, we, we ended up selling that. Uh, selling the master franchise, selling the franchise, um, made a tiny bit of money out of it, but mostly we learned a whole lot of lessons mm. out of that. <laughs> how how long of a process was that? Um, we probably did that over three or four years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. From there, and, oh, go for it. No, I was saying one of the frustrating things is that, and, and it happens in a lot of businesses when you're a startup, when you when you're trying to create something. Um, you don't typically get to pay yourself very well. You pay your staff, you pay those around you, you have a lot of outgoings and you try and just survive on whatever you can because you're trying to reinvest in the business. And one of the frustrating things was, yeah, I got all that education, but the minute I left that, I went and got another job and that job was paying something like four times as much as what I was paying myself in the business. Um, so I was, I was happy to be getting cash in again, but then I was back to being frustrated that I worked for someone else again. Yeah. Cause, cause I mean, your whole motivation there was to go out on your own, but then there ended up just being so much red tape and, and, and lack of flexibility that it wasn't really, wasn't really what you were expecting. Exactly. That's exactly right. So from there, uh, did you decide to really go out on your own now that you had that business experience Were you, were you feeling ready to, to, to really do it? Yeah, I did. That was the last job that I had. So I had that for maybe 18 months or two years, something like that. And that was, again, doing IT stuff. It was infrastructure project management and building big networks. But at the point of um, leaving that job, that was really close to the start of what became Louder Online. Um, so I, with, with my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife, we both quit our jobs, um, went over to Thailand, and we just went on an extended trip where we, I think we did, a bunch of months just staying there, um, you know, spending sort of US and well, spending Australian dollars in Thai baht, and so the whole arbitrage play there meant that we could survive for quite some time, live mm. a very happy life, and 
um, it was while we were over there, we, we were sitting there thinking there has to be a way that we can do this for as long as we want. Um, you know, earn a strong currency, live on a cheap currency and uh, live like kings. <laughs> so we, we started to figure that out. Sweet. So what was the first sort of venture into the world of, of content marketing and SEO? Walk us through what that looked like. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it was it was interesting because what we did is um, you know, when we were over there, we took all these audio tapes and books of like um, seven habits of highly effective people, how to win friends and influence people and all, all this sort of thing. Like we just classic played them in the background. Exactly. And you now that all sort of just sunk in. And um, you know, we spent time there thinking there has to be a way that people are making money online. Now, this was back in 2007 or eight or something. And then there was nowhere near the amount of education, information, um, paths that you could go down, all of that stuff that was free yeah. and available on the internet. We didn't have any money. And so we're, we're sitting there thinking there's got to be some truth to it. It can't just be people making money, talking about making money on the internet. Um, <laughs> And so what happened was, um, you know, so my, my girlfriend at the time, she, um, she had a, a background in, in a certain type of marketing, not necessarily online. And my, um, my background was IT. So we thought with these skills, we should be able to stick it together and work it out. So we ended up moving back to Sydney at that point, which is where we're from. Um, and I think we spent the next four months um, just trying to figure out how to make any kind of money online. And that was... Uh, you know, she, she went and got a sort of contract role and then would work before and after hours trying to figure stuff out. And I just sat there in front of a screen trying to figure it all out during that whole time. Um, and it, it took us four months before we ended up making our first 40 cents. Wow. Um, yeah. And was that, that just ad revenue or what was that? So uh, yeah, the path to getting that was was difficult and this is where i think you know probably some of your listeners would really benefit from it anyone trying to do their their first foray into online marketing i sat there going okay people are saying they're making money with seo people are saying they're making money with affiliate marketing with social media with um you know paid ads all these different channels and then what is it they're selling and we had no idea what we wanted to be selling we just wanted to make the money online so we were coming up with all kinds of ideas. We then had to get the websites built and we're not designers, we're not developers. Mm -hmm. um, and it just felt like there were just so many steps. And so we decided, all right, what, what do we have at our, what resources do we have available? And the only resource we had was time. We had no money. So paid ads were out. Um, and so I'm just talking about an acquisition source of traffic. Yeah. Um, social media was not something that I wanted to delve into simply because the third option was SEO and I liked the competitive aspect of you had to be better than the other 10 people on the front page of Google in order to get that traffic. And so I liked that competition. So we went down that route and thought, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out by driving organic traffic. Um, and then the other part was, well, we're not web designers or developers and we don't have our own product or service. Let's simply market someone else's stuff that already has all the creative assets built so we thought, all right, affiliate marketing would be would be the go. Um, so basically, our, what we started with was working out SEO and driving organic traffic to other people's products, product pages. Um, and that first forty cents was um, from driving traffic to a hotel and accommodation booking website, where someone ended up clicking on the site, and making a booking. Hmm. So I mean, simple enough, simple enough business model. 
it, it was, but to get to it was not simple. Like I wish yeah. I had known to make those those decisions as simple as it was coming out of my mouth would have been nice, but the stuff that we tried and all of the you know, failures and the moving on after something got frustrating and all of that, and, you know, that's, that's a lot of stuff I'd love to have skipped. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. So talk to us about, yeah, sticking with that process. Cause I, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people that I interact with uh, young people, especially if they do something for four months and they haven't made more than a dollar from it, uh, I doubt most of them would have stuck around for more than four weeks. So yeah. uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, well, one thing that we, we knew, and it's the same thing that we know now, is that the internet can be almost infinitely scalable and can be highly automated in different ways. And we literally took that 40 cents that day and turned it into $400 the next day. Um, and that was where it all changed for us because, yeah, we're celebrating that win, but the important part was pairing that down and working out what steps got that 40 cents and then creating some automation behind it. And that was fantastic because that went to $400 and then that was, you know, it kept going up daily. And we, we got out of Sydney and traveled the world for the next two or three years doing the same thing. Okay. So that's, that's a big shift right there. So when you say automation, what are, what are we talking about? Um, not necessarily automating things that shouldn't be automated, but it was automating our backend processes. And so, um, you know, part of the stuff that we were doing then doesn't, work today um it had a lot to do with google my business which was google places at the time hmm. um they and it was, it was about creating different listings and you know buying domains and all sorts of stuff so our we wanted to quickly be able to do what we were doing at scale and so um you know we built some screen recording um I looked at screen recording software, recorded the certain steps I was taking and then would loop it and would just monitor it. And so what, what ended up happening is without much work effort, we were able to replicate and scale what we were doing. Hmm. So, so yeah. from there you were able to take that and, and really just scale that, that daily income far, far past 40 cents. Yeah. It was like, well, one domain that we bought, operating in this way doing these 15 steps equaled about 40 cents and we're like okay well, let's do that 100 times and so we built the process to be able to do that and and it worked and then beyond just replicating that same process it was all about well then vertically and horizontally scaling what we were doing and so that was in hotels and accommodation but we knew that you know flower delivery and speed dating and all these other things would work in the exact same way. And there was all affiliate programs for those as well. And so we ventured into that stuff too. Hmm. How, how did you decide that it was time to expand into a different niche rather than going deeper or finding more ways to, to monetize in that existing niche? Uh, it was both at the same time. Okay. Um, I, I just wanted as much as we could uh, at the same time while whatever we were doing was working. And the frustrating thing about that is that if I had my time again, I would have done it a thousand times faster and a thousand times more, <laughs> not knowing when that would have stopped working what we were doing. And yeah, that, that's part of, part of marketing and online marketing is that stuff changes all the time. And when you're, when you're doing something like that, you, you've got to stay on the ball and be ready for quick changes so that you can um, you know, use them to your advantage and, and not lose everything you've created. 
Yeah. So how do you, how do you personally stay up to date with all of the, the things that are just shifting and evolving? And, and cause I'm, I mean, in the social media space, SEO space, like there's algorithm changes every single like week, it seems. So, so how are you staying on top of that stuff or how, and how have you been in the past? Yeah, it, it was harder initially. Um, now, initially we, we were doing things that were sort of skirting terms of service right we it wasn't it was just what we could do with making money we weren't hurting anyone and um, i wouldn't i'd never do it with a a client site and i'd never recommend doing that but we we did it and so when things had changed it was like okay well so be it now let's try and figure this next step out um but i had we also had no um no networks at the time i knew no one online um i didn't even know there were people doing what we were doing and we had figured this out and then out for ourselves. And then as we started to um, do it for longer, we started connecting with people online, our networks became better. And so, you know, we'd get information from other people and we'd be able to, um, you know, learn from each other and that sort of thing. And that, that especially became true um, probably two or three years after we started everything um, and people started asking us to do some consulting for them they were like well if you've if you're able to drive traffic to your own web assets and, and make money that way surely you can consult with me and teach me how to do it for my website mm. and and so that was you know the start of the agency stuff where we were doing it for consulting for small business and um what that did was that really helped even out the peaks and troughs that existed in affiliate marketing where something had changed or something had break and there was no income coming in at least this helped yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. Were there any sort of unexpected challenges or just new difficulties that came up as a result of, of going from just doing your own thing to then uh, branching out into the consulting side? Yeah. Um, more that when we were doing our own thing, there was no direct clients. Um, you did it in your own time, whenever you wanted. You weren't, you weren't reporting into anyone. If you didn't want to work, you didn't want to make that money today. That's on you. It's, there's no issue. You're not letting anyone down. Yeah. Um, when it became, you know, having agreements with clients and the obligation there, things changed. We needed processes. Um, we needed documents. We needed communication. There's you know, a lot that goes into setting that up properly. And I guess that, that also didn't just happen all at once. So when you're dealing with small business and some of them were family and friends to start with and, and you know, you're just helping people out, you start to learn some of the, the pitfalls and whatever else. But it was more as we moved into the bigger and bigger businesses from that point and you know, each step up that ladder where we realized, okay, we need to communicate with these people in a totally different way and we need better documents. These things need to be designed. We need to look professional. And all of a sudden we were realizing we were competing against agencies that have been around and knew what they were saying and doing and how to design things and how to communicate with the right level of client there so it changed a lot of the back-end work that we had to do i i bet especially when you're getting into those enterprise level clients which i'm I'm curious about as well so talk to us about how you were able to transition from working with these small businesses to then really climbing up the ranks to some of the bigger clients that you're working with and have worked with today i know you mentioned that your network was was nothing to brag about so how did that come about and how did you start making those connections with those big players that came about through frustration. <laughs> um, so you know, my co-founder always said, you know, we should be working with enterprise. And I, I, you know, I agreed, but it was also like, I can't, we couldn't communicate what we were doing with those people at that time. 
And so what what happened was we started to say, okay, how how do we get to that point? And what we were doing was we were starting to realize, you know, so, so going from small business, we then went to you know, bigger businesses, maybe paying sort of six, seven grand a month for consulting retainers. Okay. And from there, it was, um, it was, we didn't have to compete against too many people. We just had to communicate what we were saying properly. As we went to the next step is where we started seeing some frustration because we were watching, we were going into to pitches, we'd lose them and I'd be, I'd be saying, okay, so what set, it, what set them apart? Can I, can I see their pitch document and all this sort of stuff? And some of them would give it to us. And what I realized was, even though we we're saying the same or better as these other people, what was missing was all our credibility, all our branding, all mm. the professionally designed documents and so on. And it comes back to that same thing, which I hated hearing that whole time, which is you know, brand matters, invest in your brand and that stuff will make a difference. And at the time, like most people, I'm sitting there saying, I don't have the money to do that. I need to invest in stuff that's going to give us a return now. And I need to see a direct ROI. And eventually we started just doing little bits here and there that didn't really cost money, but cost time. And so I started getting interviewed in different places. I started um, contributing content to industry publications um, and basically starting to eat our own dog food, so to speak, in that I was creating content um, that was educating and entertaining, more educating, um, and getting that out there as much as I could. And so what happened from there is that we started being competitive in those pitches, um, you know, paid a designer to properly design our documents so that they looked right and they didn't look like they were just done at home by some kid. Um, once that was, once that was all in place, we, you know, it was a difference between signing a $60,000 a year deal and a million dollar a year deal. Um, when, when those potential clients could Google my name and see that I've been interviewed on Forbes or I write for Forbes or, you know, Huffington Post and all these other publications that meant a lot in the minds of those people. And it was hard to find a direct ROI from it, but I can tell you that made the biggest difference for us. That's, that's very interesting. Now, as far as bringing that back to a, a young person who's listening to this right now, do you think that right off the bat, it's important to start doing those things, um, getting your name out there, uh, building your own sort of authorities that when people search for your name, um, stuff actually comes up. Do you think that's important to, to think about starting out or, 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 or do you think it's more important to focus on just getting good at something first? I, I wish I'd have done it from day one. Mm. Um, and when I'm saying it doesn't have to be a massive focus for you, just commit to doing something to LinkedIn posts, you know, once a week or once a month or something, or, um, you know, if, for me, industry publications were great writing for search engine journal or you know, social media today or any of those publications. And to get there, it's a whole idea of you know, trading up the chain. So start with some smaller websites and prove that you can write, use that proof to reach out to the bigger ones and say, look, I can write over here. I'll happily write for you and and build your way up but you, you do it at some kind of level it doesn't have to be a big level but you start today the stuff will still stick around i mean i if you google my name i'm pretty sure the first 20 pages are all interviews piece of content i've created talks i've given something like that but 
I didn't just do all that all of a sudden. That was done slowly over time. And so that works. Someone wants to investigate me. They can see all this stuff and it's, it's a resume that's already put out there. So people come to us already with the knowledge that we know what we're doing and we get to um, set ourselves apart from that competition. Sorry to hop in, but it's time for the Young Smart Money Review of the Day. All right, this one comes from Levon underscore Hustler, who says, amazing podcast for young entrepreneurs. Takes on very interesting perspectives regarding the young business world. Influences many young entrepreneurs to try new tactics in their businesses. Highly recommend others to listen to. Levon, thank you so much. That is our mission here. Um, and I really appreciate the kind words. For the rest of y'all, if you do want to be featured on the next episode, all you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts or CastBox, find Young Smart Money, and leave either a comment or a review, and you'll be entered to potentially get featured on the next episode. Otherwise, let's get back into the show. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So I'm curious as well, uh, talking enterprise clients, what are some of the things that you found working with some of these large companies? I mean, like IBM, Target, um, these these big, big players that that translate to what what smaller creators could be doing or people who were just getting started in, in the world of digital marketing could be doing? Like, what are some of those transferable uh, sort of things that, that work between both? Yeah, well... What I could say to that is actually just a slightly different answer. It's more what are the things that smaller businesses are able to do that big business can't do that really would help them. And it's it's remaining agile. And what I mean by that is that in dealing with these big companies, sometimes a simple change can take six months to be implemented on the website. Or we'll go through a content strategy and have all these recommendations of content to be published and everything, and they just can't do it for months. And it's based on you know, levels of bureaucracy and comms people, managerial, legal teams, everyone having to go through and review things. Um, and that just, you know, just sets them behind so much. And if you think about a small business that can easily implement their content strategy, easily make these changes, that, that agility is something that um, you know, you've got going for you. Um, the scary ones are, are the big businesses that remain agile and you're in trouble. <laughs> So when you're when you're staying agile, what are some of the the ways to sort of um, stay on top of of what is on that cutting edge? Like what are what are some of the ways for our listeners to keep up with that stuff and and to know what what things they could they could be trying out? Yeah, read the publications. Just stay reading stuff. Know what the big publications are in your industry, and just stay on top of that. Get their feed. Just check in regularly a big part of my job today still is filtering down what i see and what i read that is going to be impactful for our staff and our clients and i i read that i distill it i filter it down and then i pass it on i say all right this i can see this happening and this coming or here's some new stuff from the search engines that's really going to change our approach um i'm still doing it today i think people should be doing it all the time um yeah, you got to you got to stay on top of it by reading what people are putting out there. For and sure. I guess a part of that as well is when I say distilling and filtering, I'm saying not just jumping on the bad bandwagon of every little change and saying, "Oh, there's this hack in place, we can do this," or mm-hmm. "We can we can gain the system in this way." It's it's not about that. If we're talking about longevity and you know, stuff like building the brand and wanting big clients over a long period of time, then 
we're talking about sticking with fundamental basics of making sure you're creating value in everything that you do. It's a win for you. It's a win for the clients. Um, you're creating content that is helping people and helping you. Um, and, you know, just gen genuinely being valuable throughout the whole process. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I see a lot of young people, especially looking for some kind of, of, of secret sauce or secret tactic. Uh, but I really think a lot of people try to jump into that before they've really thought long and hard about the fundamentals. So can you touch a bit deeper? I know you mentioned providing real value, but dive a bit deeper into the real fundamentals of having a successful online presence and what that really looks like. Yeah. It I think you know it probably looks different for different people, but for me, it was um, always producing a lot of content that is helpful to people in the industry and that other people can learn from, and getting that published on websites that are bigger and better than ours with bigger audiences. And so that you know, doing guest posting on a regular basis, um, getting reaching out to people who do roundup interviews and saying, "Hey, look, I'm available. This is stuff I've written about. I'd love to be included." Um, Get, reaching out to conferences in the area and saying, look, I'd, I'd love to come and speak for free or whatever it is. Like all of that, while there's a, a selfish sort of aspect to it in the back end, up front, you're still helping so many people at a greater scale than what you're getting back. Um, mm. And that's providing value to a load of different people. You've got to think, to be, to be considered an expert in the room, you only need to know more than the people that you're talking to at the time about that particular topic. So you always have people that you can be teaching at whatever stage you're at. And keeping that in mind means that you can be helping people from day one. And the more you grow, the more people you can help. That's, that's a really good point. Because, I mean, yeah, to, to provide real value, you really just have to be one or two steps ahead. You don't have to be like the leading expert in whatever category. Um, because, yeah, like you said, man, people are just getting started and they can, they can still really learn a lot from you. Uh, I, I'm yeah, curious... Yeah, that was that was our problem. Well, largely my problem as well with wanting to finally go, okay, let's build a brand. Let's do these talks. Let's do all this stuff is that I just, I hated the idea. There were so many people out there that were just saying stuff without any experience doing it. And I hated the idea of ever being sitting, sitting on stage and being asked a question and just drawing a blank mm -hmm. and not being able to answer it or, they, or, you know, giving some information that just wasn't accurate. I, I didn't want to be that person. And so I waited and waited and waited far too long. Um, I wish I'd have started earlier. Mm. I'm with you on that. And, and the imposter syndrome is a real, a real thing. I mean, I, I experienced that a lot. Um, just feeling like, like you're not good enough or, or, or like your information is not valuable enough or you haven't had enough experience. And I mean, obviously as a 20 year old, my experiences have been very limited, um, but like you said, there's, there's definitely still value in, in the things that, that a young person has done. Massively. Um, even just in, in speaking with you now, I can think of so many things that you could be teaching people based on the fact that you know how to do podcasts and you know the right questions to be asking, you know how to interview people. There's, there's stuff that everyone's got and you could go into most rooms and, and be able to, to share that information and know more than a lot of those people. And if you don't, you know, read the two or three of the best books on, on the topic that you're about to talk on a week before you go in and make sure you distill all the best ideas and go in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful and I'm, I'm just grateful that you said that. Um, it, it really, that definitely means a lot. 
I'm I'm curious though for for our listeners who who heard what you said about um, okay, start putting out content, um, reach out to conferences to speak for free, contribute to publications. Like, how can they um, effectively? sort of do all those things because uh, some listeners might be hearing that and, and, and think, great, that's, that's, that's all well and good that I should contribute to these things and get my name in this publication and that one and speak here and there. But that's, that's time consuming. I mean, like, how, how do I manage that? How do I find these, these people who are writing roundup posts? Like, how do you, how do you do that? It is time consuming. Um, and that's why don't try and do it at any massive scale up front. Just do something something is better than nothing and that uh, you know it'll compound and and you'll start to see the value of it over the over the long term don't do it because you think you're going to get immediate business or your world's going to change from it now it's because it's going to change in the future uh, it's just like savings right you're, you're putting a bit of money aside each month and you you start to see it in time um in terms of, of doing it it's it's not hard to find you know you can do google searches um of you know guest post and your industry, uh, industry relevant keywords in, in a Google search and see all the people that accept guest posts and, and simply reach out to them by email. It's, it's not a hard thing to do. And, you know, I mentioned all these different things that you could do guest posting, write for editorial publications. You could be speaking at a conference. You can write a book um, like we've just done. There's loads of things you can do, but you don't have to do them all to start with. And what I would be doing to start with is simply creating content that educates people in your industry, whatever volume you can comfortably do while you're doing your work and start to get it out there. And in time, it'll be worth it. Sure. So as far as content goes, I know you are a huge advocate of video and really the storytelling aspects that that video can achieve for someone who is trying to provide value and to teach something. So can you talk to our audience about why you see real value in video as compared to other uh, mediums? Yeah, having said that, I'm a fan of it and I don't do nearly enough of it. Um, I do I do a lot of long-form written content for a lot of places and I do that because it's what I'm used to doing um, and you know, I do it for, for search reasons as well. It, it's great for Google. Um, video, you can tell, you know, they say a, a picture is worth a thousand words or video is worth loads more, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can really connect with people. There's personalization. You can, people can understand you. You can get your, your head right around a topic um, and, and people can learn so much more from it. And um, yeah, look, I, I think video is fantastic. The only thing is people got to get used to um, being on video and it happens over time. Um, you don't have to get used to being able to write a guest post. You've got all the time in the world to change it and edit it and, and whatever else when you're ready get your voice and tone and style right. Um, videos, videos a bit different and it's a bit harder, but the, the rewards are, are much greater from it. Hmm. And, and going off that as well, I, I know another thing that you are, that you, that you speak on, that you write on uh, kind of frequently is uh, email marketing. And I think there's, and I know there's, there's a misconception among a lot of young people that email marketing is no longer relevant or, or that email marketing is quote unquote dead. So can you talk to, the listeners about the value that you see in email marketing? Yeah. Email marketing is still with most of the clients we see is still one of the most highly converting channels of, of you know, conversions for them. And the reason being is that it's permission based marketing to so sign up to that email list. They've freely given their email address. They've opted in. They've decided they want to receive content from that 
that website or that person. And all of those things mean that they're so much more ready to accept the messages that you're sharing. And um, so you know, there's loads of different channels that come on all the time, but email marketing is still up there with, with one of the best. And it also means that you know, you're building your email list and you, you can think about social followers, right? People are following an account that you have on a website that is not yours. You don't own it. A website could change, could close down, could delete your, uh, your account at any point. And then you're sitting there going, I, I built on rented land and I have nothing else, nothing to go back on. An email list is an owned asset. It's something that people can change, do whatever they want, but you have that email list. You can always reach out to those people who have chosen to receive your messages. And what that means is that you, you can even take that email list and do other things with it, such as go and upload it to Facebook and do custom audience ads, specifically advertising directly to your email list. It doesn't have to just be the email channel. Um, email, I wish we'd started email, building our email list from day one because it's, it's one of the only owned assets that you can leverage forever. Absolutely. There's, there's huge, huge power in that. Now for a, a beginner to email marketing, what are some of the things that, that you believe are important to know and, and sort of the things that, that a listener should be aware of when they're getting started building their email list and then, and then marketing to it? Yeah, think about what's in it for them more so than what you want. And what's in it for them is what, why should they give up their email address and, and risk getting spammed by people? And the, you know, the what's in it for them is provide something that's of value to them. Answer questions through content in the industry or give them something that you would have loved if, if you were you know, trying to find it previously in your journey. Um, create, create content, have it available through um, them opting in and then they receive the content and make sure that they find value in it and just continue to then nurture that list. Okay, the first thing is getting that list built. And the next thing is making sure that whatever you're putting out there is something that people are going to be happy to be receiving. Um, don't try and sell something in all your emails. In fact, sell in so few of your emails because you're providing such great content. People will want to be buying from you um, rather than putting the hard sell on them. I could not agree more. Now, Aaron, we've been talking about a lot of different avenues from, from email marketing to contributing to publications, to video, to, to all of these different channels. I want to, to leave the listeners with some actionable uh, steps that they can move forward with and, and take action as a result of what they heard today. So what do you think would be maybe one or two of, of the most impactful action steps that listeners could take if they are, again, just getting started in the world of digital marketing and, and they want to start doing something, creating some kind of content, uh, getting their message out there in some way, shape, or form. What are the one to two things you want people to walk away today uh, and start implementing? Yeah, that one's an easy one for me. Uh, 12 years ago when we were starting, I wish that there was a book out there like the one we just wrote so that we could skip a lot of the pain that we went through. So um, my first recommendation would be to, to find our book. It's called Faster, Smarter, Louder, and it's available on Amazon. I'm sure there'll be a link around somewhere. Um, but I would start with that because you can educate yourself on on a lot of the shortcuts, a lot, a lot of the value of branding, see how other companies have done things. Um, it's, it's a good book to digest and it'll give you a lot of those um, actionable takeaways of what should I do straight away and what are the things that I should be doing on an ongoing basis to 
make sure that I'm setting myself up for the future. Mm. Um, I'd be doing that. Um, and, you know, this is part of the book anyway, but I, I would 100% just be sitting there saying, what are the questions people have in my industry? What are the problems that people are having? I'm going to be the person that answers questions, solves problems, and there'll always be a hungry audience looking for what I'm creating. Keep it very simple, create content and help people, and you'll find a business around it. Um, yeah, business, the results of business is how, much, how many people you can help. It's, it's not how many things you can sell and, and how much money you make. All of that comes off the back of the fact that you can help loads of people with whatever pain or problem they have. And the more people you can reach through whatever your your skill set is, the, the better off you're going to be. So focus on providing value, whether it's through content, whether it's through products or services. Think about the what's in it for them factor. Mm. And that's that's a really important question to ask is like, yeah, what are the questions that people in my industry are asking? And then, yeah, being that resource and, and, and giving people those answers. And, and yes, the, the book will be linked up in the show notes for our listeners as well. So you can find that there. Aaron, I have a couple of questions now that I like to ask all of my guests before we do wrap up. Are you feeling ready for those? Uh, sure, go for it. Awesome. So the first of which is, uh, what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? I have a my third child, a little baby coming in the next two or three weeks. So I'm genuinely excited about that. Wow. I'm guessing you were looking for a business answer there. No, I mean, you can go anyway with that. I've got people go all across the board with that one. So that is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Well, that, that's it for me. Um, I'm excited about a lot of stuff, but that's that's top of mind for me. Mm, for sure. Aaron, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well? These can be either in your business or your lifestyle? Yeah. Um, I am told that I'm highly competitive. And not that I make a competition out of everything, not that kind of competitive, but mm -hmm. um, if I'm going to be in something, playing a game, playing a sport, then I give it my all. And that habit that I've had since I was young really serves us well in business because so much so much of business is um, you know they talk about how many small businesses close in the first year or first five years and the failure rate and all that sort of stuff um, I, I agree with those numbers but I also think that not quitting and just being able to outlast people automatically makes you the best and makes you the longest makes you gives you the most credibility you know you keep pushing through all those brick walls that people are putting up around you you're eventually going to be the last man standing and um and that there's a lot of value in that mm, could not agree more aaron do you have any mentors or, or people that you look up to they don't have to be people that you directly interact with but just people who you um admire or look up to uh yeah there, there are a few um Look, I, um, I look up to my co-founder for, for one instance, uh, one example. Uh, you know, she's, she's great at what she does. She's always um, thinking a number of steps ahead of, of where we should be and what we should be doing. And I'm the one that then drags my heels trying to piece it all together. Um, so I like that sort of visionary aspect. And, and, I, and I wish I had that. Um, I'm the guy that figures things out. Um, so I wish I had a bit of both. Um, uh, on, on the other hand, um, you know, Neil Patel, who's, who's known online for, for everything, marketing and business growth, he's a really good friend of ours. And um, I, I love what he's done, um, his brand growth and, and career throughout the years. And so I learn a lot from him as, as the time goes by. Hmm. Super cool, super cool. 
Aaron, where can our listeners go if they've been enjoying all the value that you've been providing to us in this interview today? Uh, where's the best place for them to follow up with you at um, and to learn more about Louder Online? Yeah, look, definitely find that book, Faster, Smarter, Louder. Um, also, look for uh, our website, louder.online, L-O-U-D-E-R.online. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. In fact, if I'm doing my job correctly, you should be able to search for my name and find me everywhere. <laughs> so uh, give that a shot. And look, I, I'm happy to reach out and give some help to, to anyone that's, that's looking at I'm feeling a bit lost, a little bit lost, trying to find their way. Got some ideas, whatever it is. I'm happy to help. So reach out and get in contact. Um, I'll, I'll do that. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link up all of those in the show notes for our listeners as well. Aaron, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. I'm extremely grateful for you and your time. Do you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to leave the listener with here today? Uh, yeah, just don't give up. How many, so many people give up real quick. We didn't give up. Four months to earn 40 cents. And that was a lot of years ago. There's a lot more competition online now. But there's a lot more opportunity. Um, just don't give up. Uh, have that tenacity and, and that sticking power. And eventually things will fall into place. Mm, that is the name of the game. Well, Aaron, thank you so much. It has been a blast chatting with you. Um, and uh, just thank you again for uh, being here. Of course. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. That is going to do it for this episode of Young Smart Money. I hope you guys got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I have some value to share with you. So I got a lot of questions coming my way every single day about how I started and grew Young Smart Money from the ground up to now where we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people. We're a top 100 business podcast. The show is consistently pulling in five figures of revenue per month. For me, I'm able to connect with some top level influencers and really grow my network. Everyone's wondering how I did it. So what I decided to do was I was I decided to share literally all of my secrets with you guys for free. Okay. Now a lot of you guys might be saying, "Wow, this kid! I, I thought he had at least a few brain cells. They must they must have just completely disappeared. Like this kid doesn't know what he's talking about." But I wanted to share this with you guys for free because it's what I'm passionate about. Literally every single day I'm in the DMs helping people out for free. Um, I I, I see I, I get fulfillment. I personally get fulfillment by seeing you guys succeed. So that's what I want to allow you guys to do. So I put together this free training. Again, all you have to do is head to my website, applecrater.com slash podcast, and you can hop on this training for free and I'll learn exactly how I'm able to do what I do and how I was able to scale it in such a short amount of time, how you can do the same as well. Um, and all that I ask in return is that you guys leave a five-star review on the podcast. You guys know how much those mean to me. So if you could take the time, again, five seconds to, to just leave me a review on iTunes, could be a one-star, could be a five-star, just give it whatever you feel the show deserves in your heart of hearts. Um, I really would appreciate that so much. And again, in return, I want to give you guys that free training over at applecreator.com slash podcast, where you can learn exactly how I was able to do what I do and how I'm able to continuously um, grow this thing, scale this thing, and just use it as this massive leverage point to connect with so many amazing people. So again, guys, one last time, that's applecreator.com slash podcast. Go check out that free training I made absolutely for you as soon as you write us a five-star review, okay? I'm not going to be enforcing this, but it's kind of like an honor system, okay? So if you watch the training, I'm going to expect that you left us a five-star review, okay? Because if I'm going to give something to you, I'm going to need you to give a little something to me, okay? So once you guys do that, head over to the training, watch it, check it out, let me know what you think. 
Um, and I know you guys are going to enjoy, get a ton of value. I dropped some secrets that I've never talked about publicly before. So um, definitely you're going to enjoy that. Um, I'll see you guys over there. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day wherever it takes you.